Welcome into episode 313 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Oh, just peachy. Just just peachy. Because the cats... Um, they they did exactly what they were supposed to do given the circumstances, given the opponent. Um, we were very critical and, you know, obviously not doom and gloom. The sky is falling. We should all just pack up and take our basketballs home for the season uh, after what was admittedly a very, very tough one at home against the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, acknowledge that this team has a lot of work to do before we can start realistically thinking of them back as the national title contender that we have said that they could. And we we've said that this would be a really bad wasted opportunity if this team isn't able to get to those heights. Uh, and they have some, some work to do to get back to kind of, you know, being in that mindset of us being comfortable uh, talking about them as a contender, you're not going to learn um, much of anything going against uh, admittedly just point blank period, a really, really bad Vanderbilt team. Uh, not a whole lot of talent to like there, but all things considered, when you have that type of matchup, you have that type of, of, of opponent, the location where it is, a true SEC road game, a 32-point beatdown is something I will never, ever, ever, ever complain about. They went down and took care of business against Vanderbilt and uh, sort of getting back on track to what we believe they can be as a basketball team. It's a get right game is uh, I think that's what I called it on the, the last episode that we had, Jack. And it, it's one of those things that had they lost it, we and everyone else would have crushed them for it. So I'm going to do the opposite. They want it. And in the fashion they want it, I'm going to praise them for it, because especially the way that they had been playing over the last week. And then, and how about this? Like we're talking about a fifth different starting lineup. Like it's been mixing and matching. So when, when you take all of those things into consideration, you know, Justin Edwards slides back in. You know, Aduthiero's been in and out. Reed Shepard, like, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they have hit some midseason struggles. I think the, probably the biggest shock of it was that it came at Rupp Arena. was probably the biggest shock of where it was. So getting right on the road, Vanderbilt is not a good basketball team. Never apologize for winning basketball games on the road in college basketball and in the SEC. That was my takeaway from it. And they got back to scoring the ball, like an impressive clip. And, and the, the defending, they did some different things that we'll get into. But overall, Jack, I, I thought it was a win-win. A win-win. You, you get right, you build some confidence for, some, for a couple of guys, you get some looks at some people, and, and you, you win another game and you get back in the win column. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway. It, it kind of reminds me of early in the non-conference when you're playing Duquesne, you're playing – uh, Hofstra like you, you play these teams and you go what what is the takeaway here what is how can you learn uh, much from it and obviously it uh, it wasn't going to decide anything long term just just to win but how it happened in the individual contributors given the circumstance of Trey Mitchell also out on top of DJ Wagner both of those two out uh, back issue for Trey Mitchell and an ankle continued ankle ankle issue for DJ Wagner that was a game that you could say all right show me something else what can be the defining moment of this game and when you have 
Justin Edwards, the guy that we have been just trying to, you know, I don't want to say it's a pity party, but it has become something more than expecting a former five-star top two, top three recruit in the country to play up to his level. It's almost become a, a, a an individual rooting interest in Justin Edwards because you just want that kid to stop going through the rut that he's been dealing with. You know, it, it becomes something more than just basketball, having guys fit, having, you know, it becomes a mental game. So having that guy in that environment make the impact the way he did, it wasn't that he just did a Z against Georgia and hit a couple fluky threes. Not, I mean, Z can hit shots, but you get what I'm saying. It wasn't just a, you know, he had a couple wide open dunks that made him, it, it felt like something tangible to hang on to of, okay, this is a vision of what we could expect from Justin Edwards. Maybe not 17 points every night, but forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, getting looks by himself, you know, it transition looks by himself. That's kind of what we had hoped for him going into this. And he got it. It was finally that aha moment for him. Uh, and I'll, I will never apologize for rooting for a kid that has been through what he had and then finally having that breakthrough moment. He was awesome. And then how about Jordan Burks? Those were the two, I think, that you could really look at and go, man, if you can get those two going beyond everything else that we've already been seeing, Jordan Burks going for a career-high 13 points, doesn't miss a shot, hits a three, rebounds well, active defensively, does so many things where you go – damn, this guy might need to be on the floor in some form. I don't know what the role is going to be, but he might need to play. Those are my two biggest takeaways. Justin Edwards finally having his breakthrough moment, and I don't know what you do with Jordan Burks, but feel like you got to get some minutes for him. Yeah, you do, and it, it was good to see him too, right? Like It was good just to see him out there and play in a position that he's more comfortable playing, uh, more of a natural position. But but overall, like back to Justin, Jack, I, I thought one of the things that stood out to me the most was – it would be easy for the confidence to kind of be, you know, shaken and stuff, given everything he's gone through. But he comes out taking shots in rhythm threes there early in the in the opening segments of the game. You know, he hit one, and uh, I know he put it on the deck once in the first half and, and got to a little floater that he didn't get to. But I, I saw – I'm seeing some confidence from him, even going back to the Tennessee loss when he had uh, a stretch there. I think he scored four or five in a row. And then Cal took him out, but he he did the too small thing. Like I mean, he he's has some confidence about him that it it doesn't look like that he's with everything that the struggles, the not even really many ups, just a lot of downs. It kind of looks like it hasn't got to him entirely, and he's still in a good spot mentally to where he can continue to break through and, and find something over the next three to four weeks going into postseason play. But good to see Jordan Burks. Good to see Z get some run. And, and I thought all the bigs did some different things, you know, coming off a game where they did collectively nothing. I thought they all mixed it up and did some good stuff. Uh, the, the biggest thing for me about this game, if you go back and watch it, is the way Aaron Bradshaw was sprinting out of ball screens. Go back and watch every single ball screen that he set. He was He was getting in and out of those with a purpose. And it honestly started – off of Z's miss early where he where Bradshaw took a three, Z gets a rebound, misses it, and then Bradshaw flies in for a putback dunk. Setting the tone and doing that early, he ran like that the entire game. And I thought that was encouraging to see. So Kentucky, to me, set the tone, too, as, as a team collectively on the glass, especially on the offensive glass. Ugo got a couple of offensive rebounds that Kentucky got threes off of. 
And then obviously you had the putback slam there from, from Bradshaw. So I thought Kentucky did a good job kind of dictating what it wanted to do. And that's what you do to teams like Vanderbilt. It was so refreshing to hear Jerry Stackhouse talk about this team the way other teams have been talking about Kentucky. Like in his post game, he was like, yeah, we knew that we were going to have to come in and bring the physicality. And that's just not something that we were able to do. They came in through the first punch. They were really, you know, and enforcing themselves and, 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 you know, initiating and forcing their will on us. And, you know, we just, we were getting destroyed on the glass. We didn't have all the things that we've heard throughout the, over the course of this season of this team's biggest downfalls. Will they be able to throw that punch back? Do they have the physicality to, you know, combat other, physically tough teams it felt good to be on the receiving end of those types of comments and I, I you know that's a testament to these guys the last game when you have all of your basically everybody on the roster taller than six foot eight or or, or, or taller you know combining for four points it, it was you it was a wash you got zero from your front court for them to then follow that up again without Trey Mitchell and play the way they did as a unit it wasn't just z going crazy by himself it wasn't that ab just went went nuclear it was everybody kind of contributing something something different kind of attacked them by committee uh, for their as as a unit their best game it was it was i think in my opinion kentucky's best all-around front court game since we've seen especially if you could if you want to throw jordan burks in that group too Uh, I, i thought i was just really really impressed with the way they initiated things and kind of, you know, forced themselves uh, into the action. Yeah. And I I was encouraged. And, and obviously we we've talked a ton about rebounding, needing to get better with this team and things. And and I thought that that's what kind of dictated Kentucky establishing itself as the dominant team is it was the offensive rebounding early in the game that got them second chance points. Like they were dominating that category in the opening couple of segments of the game. And that's what got them the early lead that they eventually held on to and extended throughout the game into a, to a 32-point win margin. So doing that, you still give up 77 on the road at Vandy. And I know, like, the, the efficiency doesn't move a ton. That's going to happen. Like, that that's, that's just part of it. So I saw things to be encouraged about going into this game coming up Saturday and then moving forward when they get back to full strength at some point. So – and it was a collective team win. You – you don't get those opportunities much in league play where you can look at Jordan Burks. You can look at Z, you can look at Ugo, you can look at Bradshaw. Like they, they got looks at a lot of different guys here in the middle of league play. And that doesn't happen much. And, and hopefully what that did was it builds confidence for these guys moving into the stretch run here because a week ago we thought Ugo had kind of grabbed the hold of the five spot. A couple weeks ago, we were talking that Z was the guy at the five. And then after the last couple of games, after Tennessee, we didn't know where to go with, with no Trey Mitchell. Then Aaron Bradshaw plays well at Vandy. So I, I think we're kind of still in line, Jack, with that by committee spot at the five, that it's just kind of they, – they all do different things to add value to what this team does. But if they're all chipping in and doing it, you can you can play multiple guys. And Kentucky needs that size on the floor. It, it, it did affect – out of bounds situations. Like I thought they were, they were significantly better defending baseline underneath. So you at least saw a willingness to do some things differently. And I think that that's a step in the right direction on the defensive end. And I do want to touch on it because I feel like that number was kind of one of the big talking points after the game was, well, Kentucky was just terrible again, defensively. 
uh, you know, the, this was a team that that averaged 66 points a game and they scored 77. Oh my God, the sky's falling. This team's terrible. Understand that when you factor in the possessions, it changes the entire narrative behind that. That you you look, Vanderbilt shot 35 and a half percent and gave up and scored 1.069 points per possession. It's not bad, but it's also not great at all. It's it's essentially average especially the 35 percent shooting and I, I, yeah they missed some open shots and it, it's not a perfect product it was never going to be a perfect product this team still has a lot of work to do on the defensive end but i just didn't really like fans using that 77 point mark and just kind of looking from a very surface level points what what their season average was versus what they're scoring right you know what they scored against us equals bad defense because that's that that doesn't really tell the whole story when we're talking 73 possessions for Kentucky on 1.49 uh points per possession and them getting 72 possessions so I really did think especially and in, in, Cal talked about this tonight in the the call-in radio show uh with with the zone and I will that, that will be what we talk about next he said we can talk up and down about as a staff execution not being where it needs to be or well they're just not communicating enough well they're just doing this and that and it's kind of like what we talked about on the last show insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results that's kind of what was going on internally where you know they were just like well the everything seems good on our end the the defense as a whole there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it yeah but if they're not executing then it doesn't matter you gotta you gotta throw some type of wrinkle and you have to change something up because what is going on right now is just not working. He said that last night. That's why they spent the last couple of days working on zone. I had heard uh, from several different people with varying results to say the least that they had thrown a zone in there and uh, you know, had tried installing that over the last couple, over the days following the, the Tennessee loss, just kind of understanding even if this isn't something that we go all in with, for 40 minutes like that's not something that was going to happen but we got to figure out to th- a throw a possession here or there what happens if we try to change the pace up with a, with a press what happens you know we have to just throw something else out there and Cal acknowledged that and he said it wasn't perfect obviously we still have a, a, a work in progress to go but they threw a couple of possessions a, a zone in there especially based on uh, out of bounds and for the most part, solid results. And it's just, you, you just couldn't com- continue to repeat the same struggles that they had been dealing with. Uh, and, you know, results, I, I'm not too, you know, butthurt over them. No, and, and I saw those looks, you know, well into the second half. And it, they, it, it's just different. It depended on where the ball came in bounds. Kentucky was obviously matching up out of it. Uh, they, they trapped once out of it in the, in the coffin corner there. But uh, when, when you look at what they were doing out of bounds, obviously they had, they had some length right under the rim, had a seven footer standing, protecting the rim. That was the area that they had been vulnerable in on baseline underneath the last few weeks. And then they were active on the ball. Uh, other guys were turned seeing the ball and seeing cutters and, and able to kind of take away some of those easy baskets that they had been given up. Now, the, the thing with that, Jack, is Cal said that the old way worked too if they would just do it correctly, talking about the way that they, and and he's defended that way out of bounds for years, but you have to communicate. And that has been outside of discipline. Communication on the defensive end has been another weakness of this team. So if they're not going to be able to communicate effectively and do it, you've got to adjust. And that was the key part. It was just to take away the rim 
And then when the ball comes in, you match. And they would defend half-court possessions man-to-man just by showing a zone look. They did it well into the second half, too, and, and, and things. And it, it was it, you're, you're still requiring them to communicate. But you're at least helping them a little bit where an area that they struggled in. Is Kentucky going to rely on that the rest of the year? I don't think so. But if it gets you moving in the right direction and you build on it and you start communicating on base on underneath and you value those situations, then you can start doing some of the other things that he's wanting to do. So I at least thought that the willingness to change, and I hated, I hate that it got to a point where it's like, crap, we had to get scored on this many times before we do it. But credit to Cal and the staff for at least throwing it out there and at least showing the initiative to fix it and willing to do something they don't like to do to get it right. Will Kentucky be able to defend man-to-man out of bounds? At some point, yes, I think so. But if this is the answer for now to get it moving in the right direction, I love the decision. Yeah, and, and Adam Elkin says in the chat, defense is 80% effort, 20% communication. Uh, last night I've seen pro- uh, progression in the defensive effort, which is promising. And, and again, that's kind of why it's it's really impossible to just jump off the ledge completely with this team ever. Because again, and I'll say this until I die, if it comes down to do I have a group of bucket getters that I am confident are going to go get you, you know, to, to go get you some points in March versus a team that's going to just lock you down and, and get an, an extra stop in March. I'm taking points all day because how many times do we see things stall out uh, and it kind of turn into this grind out where you don't know where the points are coming from. And then and that's where we've seen Kentucky fall out of the tournament often. I mean, you were needing, you need that. I, I don't need to see ridiculous growth overnight with the defense, but I just needed to see something small to hang on to. Again, it wasn't a perfect performance. Vanderbilt stinks out loud. There were so many different things that just frustrated me. I think Jerry Stackhouse was a whiny little baby with the, the officiating thing, getting teed up with the, the numbers and calls the way they were. Just uh, he's a little baby, but whatever. That That's beside the point. You, this was just big picture, the type of performance that you want to see following a two-game losing streak, when you've lost three or four and you have a Gonzaga game coming up. I I think we're past the point of trap games and overlooking opponents, but it could have been easy for them to start thinking, quad one, we got to get Bill our resume. We got to figure out how to beat Gonzaga. Uh, You know, If we lost to Tennessee and people are kind of losing faith in us, what about that one? You needed this one. And for them to go out and make the statement they did, I feel a lot better – long-term what things look like moving forward on both ends, honestly. And and people are probably going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say this. Uh, Last night was the biggest win of the season. I know North Carolina happened in Atlanta. That's by far their quality win. But getting right last night was the most important thing to this because you had had not just the last two games. I mean, Arkansas was a a clunker offensively for a half. Uh, We know – South Carolina wasn't good, so they were in a stretch here where they hadn't been playing well overall. And then, to me, the ball hadn't been moving. I saw the ball advancing in transition last night. I saw the ball moving in the half court. I saw saw guys making plays for each other. You're throwing lobs. You're you're making the right play. Rob Dillingham made some really good plays with the ball in his hands, which we will get to at some point. Um, but just overall, I thought last night was a very good game for 40 minutes for Kentucky. And getting right makes it, to me, the, the, the biggest win of the season because now you're going into a game Saturday where the building's going to be juiced, Jack. It's the first time Gonzaga's coming to Rupp Arena. We know that that's a program 
that has been a power for the people that are students on campus have known Gonzaga basketball, and they're coming to Rupp Arena for the first time. Regardless of whether they have any quad one wins or not, that building's going to be rocking Saturday night, and it's a chance to pick up another quality win. So I, I still think that just getting right in Nashville can be a turning point to where we look and see what Kentucky does over the next week to two weeks and see if they can carry some of that momentum. So just getting that win to me made it the biggest win, just given what had happened the week prior. And with with that bracketology you just saw, like think of how many of those teams that are currently projected ahead of Kentucky as a five seed, think of how many of those guys that would crap their pants if they saw Kentucky matched up against them in March. Like just be totally transparent. Like I know it's easy to just be hyper-focused on the 16 and six and who we've lost to and, and well, well, we can beat anybody, but we can also lose anybody. There's also kind of this gut feel and this, this momentum aspect of March madness where it does come, you know, it, it comes down to matchups and, you know, the individual personnel, obviously, but how much of it, Sean is one team looking at the other and saying, Ooh, I don't know if I can beat that team. And just kind of the general mindset going in versus a, this guy's a cakewalk. Like I think Kentucky is going to be on the receiving end of some of that. Oh boy. Where, whether they're a two seed or a seven seed, do you want Kentucky as a seven? I I know anybody going up against Kentucky is at, is at seven in the second, in that round of 32 would, would have some, they, they'll have some nightmares leading up to that, that game. And that's kind of what you want to be. Get, you can't lose to every, you know, be able to beat anybody or lose to anybody. You got, we got to get past that. But it's it at the end of the day, it is kind of just about the momentum and being in the right direction. And Cal has said it over and over again about it's just about the journey from start to finish. How are you trending? Are you trending in the right direction toward toward the end? They were kind of they took a step back with the Tennessee loss, and we're kind of starting to build back that up. But you just got to keep building that momentum. You can't have this up and down and you know kind of the wishy washy stuff we've seen the last couple of years. You got to kind of be hitting that march and and be prepared to take off. And I think this is a step in the right direction at minimum. It, it absolutely was. And and when it comes down to to, to the bracket and getting in the NCAA tournament, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just don't think Kentucky's a team that a lot of these people want to see as a second round matchup or a sweet 16 matchup, whatever Kentucky ends up being, because they have a they have a guard that is made for March. And I said a guard, not just a backcourt like we've been talking about this backcourt, but they have a guard, Jack. Rob Dillingham is the type of guard that pops in March. The guy that can get hot quickly, the guy that can make tough shots, the guy that the moment is made for. That's Rob. Rob has that, I mean, go back to it, the, the Kimball Walker, the Shabazz Napier, the, the, the feel to it of the guy that can just go and get buckets and get them for you in a hurry. To me, March is made for Rob, and Rob is made for March. And I think that's when you're going to see the best of Rob. Look at what he's doing right now and the confidence that he has, the way he's shooting the basketball. Like, that dude looks like he needs to just continue to shoot up draft boards and be a top-five pick with the way he scores the ball. I love him with the ball in his hands. And when DJ comes back, Jack, and when they're they're at full strength with this backcourt, I know that I've loved Reed Shepard with the ball in his hands a lot of times. But what I've seen of late, 
keep it in Rob's hands. I thought Rob made an excellent play uh, when he threw the lob to Aaron Bradshaw in the first half. That it was a the way they attacked the ball screen coverage. Vandy played a drop. Rob comes off, snakes, attacks the drop, throws the lob uh, to to Aaron for springing out of the ball screen. Like decisions like that. In addition to being able to cook and make shots and hit threes and hit them in a hurry, that's a guy that can go on a run for you in the NCAA tournament and and either get you back in a game or put one away. That's the type of guys you want in your backcourt. And then you add in the Antonio Reeves, the Reed Shepherds, the DJ Wagners, and what Kentucky has collectively. You still got to have an alpha with the ball in their hands, and he certainly looks like an alpha. It it is fascinating to me the way he has just thrown out all of the bad stuff and the 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 habits and, and again he's again he's not a perfect pro, you know a perfect piece but all of the bad decision making and the you know he has minimized that to a, you know to an extent that it would not be out of the realm of possibility for him to be a top 5 pick like legitimately that was the only thing holding him back coming into Kentucky. All of the the just extra stuff, all of the, you know, can this guy be a winning basketball player? And for him to not just take some of that stuff out, but for him to also maximize everything he does well and make shots at, you know, he's efficient, unbelievably efficient every single time out there. I You know, I thought we would have, Three of 13, four of 20. I thought we were we were going to get some of those. And you just kind of said, eh, you got to just kind of live with it when it's when it's Rob Dillingham because you're going to get a 20 for seven of, of 12 and four or five from three. But this is kind of the norm. This is he has made this his everyday thing where you do have to start having the conversation of is this the guy that you you want the ball in his hands down the stretch in March? Like I saw somebody mention Carson Edwards on Twitter, uh, you know, kind of his his March run, Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, those guys where you, you either got it or you don't. You're either Brandon Knight or Aaron Harrison or you're a guy that nobody remembers your name because you didn't make the shot. Like it's one or the other. And Rob Dillingham has proven game after game after game i mean look even you know the losses texas a&m hitting those big shots that the stretches there, there at the end he is kind of emerging as that guy where i don't know what happens when D, you know dj is a guy that you trust with the ball in his hands down the stretch and you know i feel good about him in those types of moments but man there's a conversation to be had and you know i think kind of changing gears ever so slightly but if we're talking those end of game scenarios, what type of lineup and build you want for what your identity is going to be? I'm telling you, I'm still I'm still all in on the Big Z train and, and him being Kentucky's most talented, uh, highest upside big on the roster that is going to bring the team to its absolute peak in March. If we can kind of, you know, as you know, kind of, I've, I've mentioned, he's the seven foot two Rob Dillingham kind of work out some of those kinks and get the best version of himself out. I think he is a part of that lineup of the most talented, you know, you got to roll, roll out your five best. He's one of your five. I genuinely, yeah. I genuinely believe that. And, and he's still getting acclimated to the way the game is officiated here and things you can, you can see it. And that, that's why he needs games like last night. They, they need, moments where they can get him some extended minutes and some opportunities. I know we kind of talked about at South Carolina, he gave up 
a couple of rebounds that I thought that he didn't fight for and, and get position for. Last night I saw him making the effort to get to those. He got to the offensive glass early. He set a screen that probably should have been called an illegal screen there early when he was in. But I saw some physicality from him, from Z, at a point to where there, there was some toughness there. I also saw some frustration when he didn't come up with a ball. I and mean, I think it's what happened on the play, but he like slammed the ball to the floor. That 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 tells me that's a guy that not only just wants to sit on the bench and be at Kentucky and be rah, 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 and, and cheering on his teammates. He wants to be in the game, and he wants to do things the right way, and he wants to have success. So seeing some fight there and some some passion and some fire, I thought that was really good. But I, I'm with you when it comes to the offensive skill set, the pass that he threw to, to A.B., the, the lob. What other big on the roster is throwing that pass? Zero. When it comes to getting out of a, a screen and things, uh, the IQ to recognize that the screen got blitzed, and then just to drop into the open space like that—that's playing with some IQ. So more minutes for him means he gets more comfortable. But that's the challenge, and that's been the challenge since we this, this roster has been put together, and we've been talking about it. And right now, they're not at full strength; they're without two guys, and those are two very important guys when healthy to this roster. So that's still the challenge, Jack, is where does Cal decide to go when it gets time to go? And that's the million dollar, or I'm going to say million, that's the $9 million question because that's why he gets paid the money to do it. And then when he figures it out, he's got to win with it. So that's the toughness and the, the tough part of this is figuring out what is the recipe and what works and what works best for this team. He still has some hard decisions to make. It's February 7th, and I still can't tell you where Kentucky's going with a rotation. Who and it was. I go back to the Georgia game and what we said after the game. The reason why I was so high on Z wasn't because he made four horse shots. It was the 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 court vision. It was the feel. It was the audacity for him to do some of those things. And it felt genuinely that this was the sustainable product with with Z. And that's I think I think that's why Cal was so high on him after the game and why he kind of said. If that's who Z is, we got ourselves a game changer. Like that was Cal's words, game changer. And it was because, like, think of the the dump off to Jordan Berksy in transit in, in transition, where they try to hit Z in traffic for you know for him to bring it down, bring it back up for a dunk, whatever in transition. And Z just had that one you know one step, two steps ahead to get it and immediately dump it right back off to Jordan in transition for the you know the momentum dunk, the hockey assist, finding Rob down low for the kick out and then back down to you know Justin Edwards for the dunk. It's those processing decisions where you're like, oh, whoa, like obviously he's gonna get pushed around. Obviously the physicality isn't where it needs to. Obviously he's gonna make dumb decisions and foul out in 12 minutes and turn the ball over and do just things where you're like Buddy, come on, man. We uh, we we gotta. Who cares? That was the if if we could get twenty minutes of that every single night. That's all I need. That's that's all I need. And then if you only get twenty out of him, then you can feel confident about ten strong minutes from Ugo, 13, 14 strong minutes from AB. Like then you do start getting the kind of attack by committee. But I think the guy is Z and build him around with the feel and touch passes and all that from Trey as well, then you're getting into a real five out. Then you start getting into the real basketball player stuff that, you know, 
made this team so special to start with. But you also have the the length and, and shot blocking with a seven two ridiculous wingspan unicorn of a big. I, I I'm just telling you, I think long term that's going to be the fit. Um, who who goes with those other three though? Because we talked about Rob on your side. I, I'm claiming Trey and uh, Trey and Z. You got to name the guards, Sean. That's that's the tough part about it all because I still think that small ball is in there somewhere if they ever want to look at it. But it's so tough. So to me, all the guards are so different, just like all the bigs are so different. And I think that's what makes this team so so unique and why I think the ceiling is very high. And it might be why the struggles have been present too at this point because it's taken a while to figure out. And, and I still think that Cal is doing some things here to kind of try to keep everyone on the boat and everyone on the ship here and nobody kind of getting lost in, in along the way. Because the, the biggest reason, Jack, is I still don't think Cal knows where he wants to go just because they've been missing somebody every single game. And it's been somebody's the last couple. It's been multiple. The guys that have been out over. Think of the guys that have missed games on this team this year. And it's always been right when they're about to hit some stride and, and playing their best basketball, something happens. You know, Jay, Justin Edwards and Rob miss at Arkansas. Then you're without Trey. You're without DJ. You're without DJ. You're out with the dude. Then it, it's just something every game that I think it's really made it difficult on Cal and the staff to kind of navigate and figure out what direction they want to go. But most teams by February have a solidified rotation. Kentucky doesn't have it yet. I think it will at some point. But to answer your question, Rob's in there because Rob can make shots. Rob has the ability to beat somebody and go get his own and get hot. And he just adds – he applies so much pressure to teams that you have to be aware of not just him hitting one, but him hitting three on you in the span of about a minute and a half. I'm DJ to me is vital to what this team does. And somebody put it in the chat earlier. I think he adds toughness to the backcourt. He adds an edge to him and, and something to this team that I think the others maybe don't have. Reed Shepard's still in it. And I'm starting to like read off the ball, getting his feet set, taking shots. I know last night he didn't do much offensively when it comes to making shots. Reed is still a very, very good three-point shooter that I want him taking as many open looks as he can. And then you got Antonio Reeves, Jack, who just continues to score 20-plus points. You're really making this hard on me because <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> I, was, so, I was just about to say, okay. To Kentucky. All right. I, I was just about to say, so you're telling me that the All-American that's averaging 20 points a game on basically 50-40-90 splits, that's, that's, it's like that uh, – like that, that, uh, that that game where you got a uh, start bench cut and it's like th- three best players of all time. Where you're like, I I don't know. Just I want all of them. Can can I play five guards? Like, is is that possible? And and I hate doing it because like I don't I don't undervalue any of them. Is what I'm trying to say. And I'm still in the go small category. And but I think there's one defining factor that's going to determine it. And it's going to be the defensive end of the floor. Who is defending the best collectively as a group? I think that's going to be the combination of it. I'm still leaning Rob has to be on the floor, DJ has to be on the floor, and Reed has to be on the floor. 
I, I really truly think that those are their three best players when it comes to to backcourt play. But I'm still I still want to see it, Jack, and I don't know if we'll ever see it of Antonio, Rob, Reed, DJ, and Trey at some point. But it has to be a collective rebounding effort, and they have to be together defensively. But if that team, to me, if they go small, at least, and maybe that's not what they close games with. Maybe that's not what they they go to for 25 minutes. But I do think I'd love to see a spurt of it just to see what it looks like and see how teams choose to defend it, but then also how can what Kentucky can do with that group on the floor together because I just think there's so much spacing, so much offensive firepower that if you can get to be a good team de- defensive team together, I think that that group could do some damage together. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit um, about just the injury situation and, uh, you know, Trey and DJ, the latest with with them and, and kind of how we got to this point of both of them out. But before we do that, a very quick message, message from our friends. FanDuel, while we're in the middle of basketball season, there's another big game coming up. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from, from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Uh, Sean, what are, what are your Super Bowl plans? Because I'm, I'm starting to put together mine, and I'm counting down the minutes to Sunday. Uh, my Super Bowl plans are to uh, to go with a group of friends and, and watch the game. I'm actually excited to to watch it. I didn't get to watch it last year. Super Bowl is one of my favorite times of the year. And and even when I don't care about the teams, I'm still so invested. And the only thing that I'm hoping for, Jack, is a close game. I want a really, really good game to watch. And I always want it to be super high scoring, back and forth. Like I, I remember, and again, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, but I remember the the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl where it was like the the most entertaining, high profile, back and forth, just ridiculous shootout in the history of Super Bowl. Obviously, my team lost, and I was heartbroken and and all that. But the, that's what I'm rooting for. That's what I'm, I'm I'm hoping for this Sunday. I know there's a lot of talk about the Taylor and all that nonsense with the, about it being bigger than football. But uh, you know, I, I'm just I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it with our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 58, but uh, FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and older and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first, de- first de- uh, deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Bonus bets which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, um, so Trey and DJ. Um, Trey was a late scratch um there was some hope that that he's going to be able to power through but uh so it's my understanding that before the florida game sean uh practice got banged up pretty pretty bad um thought it was just kind of normal wear and tear and it kind of became something where they needed to go get x-rays and, and uh, mri to you know reveal that no breaks no tears no anything permanent long-term concerning uh but i was told the muscles pretty 
pretty banged up, pretty messed up. Very clear that he, the wear and tear on his body of playing him 38 freaking minutes per game against Stonehill in the early season games where it did not matter for him to play ended up, you know, hurting him at the in the long run. And, and he is banged up quite a bit. And it became pretty clear that the only path for him to play at the level that we have seen him all year long up to this point, basically, uh, you know, playing the best basketball of his career up until this recent stretch where he's been unplayable uh, was to rest him, that he had no choice but to rest. Uh, it became pretty clear that he was going to be out this one. Is In terms of what's next, I was told that uh, Gonzaga is is iffy and targeting Ole Miss as the – feel pretty good about that one, but – Gonzaga questionable depends on how these next couple of days of, of, of rehab and, and resting goes, but it's a tough situation because it's good because you get to figure out what happens with Z figure, but you know, that, that Trey is the known commodity. You know exactly what you're going to get out of Trey. And that's going to be the guy that you can lean on in March. It, it's, it sucks that he's dealing with this and we get another game of no, you know, not being at full strength and it sucks, but um, it puts you in a tough spot. And on DJ's side, uh, I'd heard this weekend his ankle was uh, size of a softball, swollen, discolor- multicolored, discolored. Um, having to wear a boot after every – had to wear a boot after every single game because of how bad his ankle would continue to swell. This is an injury that dates back to September. It was something that happened you know, during the preseason that – uh, he just kind of played through and dealt with, and you know he's tough as nails. You would expect a guy like DJ Wagner to play through hurt, but unfortunately just hasn't healed the way they thought. Um, so the goal internally I'd heard was was Gonzaga, but I heard elsewhere that like that's even a little ambitious. Like that we hope that he's back for Gonzaga. You need him against a team like Gonzaga, but I mean his ankle's messed up. Like that's the only thing that needs to be made clear that it's 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 gotten to the point where it was like man we wish we probably dealt with this better back early in the season when he tweaked it against Miami and maybe held him out some of those games and just kind of understood you might take a couple early losses that you weren't expecting but if it means he's healthy and safe for the long run then so be it um so two really troubling kind of just tricky things that that we got to deal with and something to account for just down, you know, this week and beyond. We didn't get an update from Cal so that they were off today. So didn't get a full update, but both, both trending in the right direction. Rest is good. I mean, I'm glad that we, we have gotten four straight misses or three, three games missed for DJ. Now I'm, I'm glad that um, he's getting the rest he needs because he, he was not in a good spot here recently. Yeah. And, and I'm just glad this was, was actually the, a long week with not a Wednesday to Saturday. This is a, you know, a Tuesday to Saturday for these other guys too. So, but talking, let's go Trey first. So you could tell that that wasn't Trey just from watching Saturday and even in, you know, the Florida game and things like that, that's not Trey Mitchell. And it was evident that he wasn't a hundred percent. And and I hate that. And obviously you respect the heck out of him for even going out there and trying to, to get it out and, and help his team. But, but there were multiple times you could see that he wasn't comfortable even going to the table. So credit to him for even trying to gut it out and play through it. But let's get him right. Let's make sure that he's good to go for the stretch run here. And the same thing with DJ, Jack. And, you know, you mentioned maybe taking some games off early to to get it right. I, I wonder how much pressure that was there just with how they were missing their entire front court that he probably wanted to play through it 
and, and try to and try to help. And Kentucky was already, you know, had a thin margin when it come to rotation pieces. So I'm, I'm sure there was something there. But that's probably the biggest thing that has to happen over the course of the next month. Not just win some quality games, but get healthy and be 100% when you line up in Nashville. I'm not even thinking for the couple of final regular season games. I just want everybody to be 100% when they go to the SEC tournament and hopefully they get a couple of days there and, and go on go on a run in Nashville to kind of build some rhythm and some confidence going into the NCAA tournament. But I think getting healthy is probably the number one storyline entering the NCAA tournament, even ahead of the defense, honestly. Yeah, and I guess that's what frustrated me so much about the rumors and speculation. Oh, DJ's quitting on his team. He's preparing for the draft. And, you know, Trey missing this one and, and, you know, everybody just kind of being quick to attack and say he's soft. He's, you know, and it's like, understand that these are very real injuries. You know, just take DJ, for instance, the most competitive guy I can remember. I mean, Sean, can you remember a more competitive alpha guard at, in at Kentucky under Cal? Like, do you remember, is there one that, that surpasses the, the mindset that DJ plays with? Tower Ulysses. Tower Ulysses is in in that grouping. And then that, late, late yeah. season De'Aaron Fox, too, I, I would put. But I get what you're talking about, though. It's it's not just – it's other things with DJ. Yeah, yeah it's – it's like, don't, don't, don't use the cop-out answer with him. Don't do the, well, we've had Shaden Sharp. We've had Xavier Wheeler. We've had certain instances of – extra stuff going on and different complex things that yes contributed to decisions of holding out or decision you know whatever don't use those bad examples to minimize dj wagner as a basketball player it goes against everything in his dna to miss games like the reason why we're even in this circumstance is because he played when he probably shouldn't have like so understand how dumb that sounds by saying a guy like DJ Wagner would be willing to quit on his team because that's just, that's nonsense. Do I think that there is some internal regret? Uh, um, I think on both sides, about how things have ha were handled and whether or not they could have, you know, probably dealt with this earlier and not, and, you know, when he's just fighting you know, as an 18 year old kid saying, oh, I just want to play. Let me get back. Let me get back in. I'm, we're going back home to play pin and I'm going to have friends and family there. What if they had said then, buddy, we don't need you. We love you, but let's let's get your stuff right. I know it would have led to more drama and you know internal conspiracy theories about well, you know, is he quitting back then? Is he holding himself? No, it's he's hurt. Very significant ankle injury that they are trying to get right, and he is trending in the right direction. And as Cal said, he's going to return sooner rather than later. There is no extra drama about what that means or what comes next or whether or not he's holding out again. His draft stock has never been lower. Like because of the injury, because of I understand that he's now at a late first round pick, potentially even early second round of some of these mocks. You think that guy's going to quit right now to hold out for the draft? Like what sense does that make? Wouldn't he try to get himself back to lottery status where he was before? Like it just, the arguments just never made sense. And you don't want to, put gas on a on a fire of speculation but like it, it's something that you have to make clear and acknowledge how dumb it is 
to in hopes of that we not everything has to be a conspiracy that not everything has to be something you know something else trey mitchell is hurt he's very very seriously injured that he needs rest or we were going to get this version of trey mitchell the rest of the season it was one or the other like he could continue to to fight through and and go two for two for ten in big games you do want that or would you prefer he get himself right so we can get the best version of trey mitchell they're both going to be fine they're both going to be back sooner rather than later i'm not guaranteeing them back for gonzaga i'm not you know i think from there all bets are off but anyway you it's frustrating that we don't have another game of, of full strength, but at least we get feel good stories of Jordan Burks and big Z and some of these other guys getting opportunities and making the most of them. You know, Cal always says uh, one man's misery is another man's opportunity. You had misery, you had opportunity and they made the, mo- the, the best of both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. And, and this is a big one coming up Saturday. It's, it's a massive game. And, and regardless of who Kentucky has out there, to me, it's it's a must-win given you can't lose three in a row at Rupp Arena. But I, I saw somebody in the comments saying earlier, like, I'm tired, I'm, I'm sick of playing desperate teams. Well, you're getting another one Saturday. Because you know why? This is a – they don't have any quad one wins. They just lost to St. Mary's by two over the weekend. And they have three quad one games remaining at Kentucky – at St. Mary's, at San Francisco. All three of them away from home. If Gonzaga loses this game Saturday, Jack, like I think we're finally starting to move into the to the category here that they may not win the conference tournament. If they don't have a quad one win or something to show for in it, you could be talking about a Gonzaga team that misses the NCAA tournament, depending, especially if they lose one of those other games, one of those quad twos or quad threes or even a couple of quad fours. So um, just looking at, at their resume, Kentucky's facing a desperate team. And I kind of like that though, because I, I want Gonzaga coming into rough and desperation mode, because I think Kentucky has to match it and be in desperate desperation mode itself. And did they not fail the last circumstance, the, the, the last exact scenario of this literally a week ago with, with Florida, same exact scenario. They're kind of fighting for the, you know, they're, they're a good team. Haven't lost anyone bad looking for that one statement win to kind of prove themselves as a tournament team. Identical scenario. They failed last time around. This is another chance for Gonzaga, as you said, Sean. This is a must-win game for them if they are an at-large team. Like, this is their one shot to kind of prove, all right, well, you know, we can take some of these other losses aside and you can really put a lot of stock into this win for Gonzaga through the selection committee. Make the selection committee's life hard. Make make them have to to keep Gonzaga out of that tournament. Like make them make them make that decision and earn that for yourself. Like we're we're kind of in that same boat of yeah, we've kind of beaten up on the bad teams and had a couple pretty solid wins here and there. North Carolina, obviously the big statement, but like we got to build a resume too. Like we're at two quad one wins up to this point with five to go. Like. We got we got to start building together a resume that makes the committee go okay. Well, maybe these guys aren't a, a seven seed or whatever they're going to try to try to do. This this is a really big opportunity against a great you know really great coach, a future Hall of Fame coach. I mean, what he has done with that program is is unprecedented, and 
um, it's going to be a challenge. I'm really looking forward. I think the atmosphere is going to be really good too, Sean. That's something I'm really looking forward to, to see, uh, you know, I think the fan base was kind of let down leaving that Tennessee game. I'm hoping that we get that second spark and they kind of get the reward uh, that they weren't able to get at home against the the volunteers last time, last Saturday. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm expecting a much better uh, result and a, a much better game and, and something where hopefully Kentucky at least leads at different points throughout the game. Cause the, that one was painful to watch, but overall, like you're talking quad one wins, you're talking resume and things. And, and, and this one, if Kentucky is able to get it Saturday, it might not stick as a quad one. I, I don't know. They're 28th in the net. Got to stay in the top 30, but regardless, it's a win over Gonzaga and it's a win that, that you feel good about. And then you go into some, some tough stretch here. I mean, I, I know you got Ole Miss coming to Rupp. You go on the road to Auburn next Saturday. You still got a road trip to Mississippi State. You still got to go to Knoxville. Like there, there's some games there in this stretch, Jack, coming up. But it, it goes back to what I was saying about the Vandy win. We would have absolutely crushed them. They would have been crushed nationally had they lost the game. It, it, it the winning it doesn't do anything to your resume, but losing it crushes you. So that's why I'm choosing to place value in how they want it and that it was a step back in the right direction, like not in the right direction because Kentucky for the most part of the season up until the, the last two to three weeks was trending and heading in the right direction. It just got sidetracked and stepped off the path a little bit. So now you got to get back on the path and follow that thing all the way to the NCAA tournament here and then be the best version of yourself. So I thought last night was a step in the right direction, but you can continue to take more steps that direction with the win Saturday at Rupp. And and you need to win a big one in front of your home crowd. Yeah, a couple quick notes. We are very excited to welcome a new partner, Fayette Heating and Air and H2O Maestro. Um, good, good partnership there. Appreciate everything that they do. And, um, you know, they're uh, – very, very uh, awesome. Their their team of experts are ready to handle all of your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs to learn more or to schedule an appointment. Appointment Visit FayetteHeating.com, your number one complete home solutions company in Kentucky. And as we were talking about just what the crowd's going to be, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, if it's going to have the same juice as that Tennessee game. And the only way it's going to have the same juice as that Tennessee game um, Game time. Go with our friends at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time does all of the hard work for you. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Sean, I know uh, you're excited for Saturday. I know you know the crowd is going to live up to the hype and um they're going to be going with our friends at game time to make that happen yeah if you're looking for last minute tickets you you got to go to game time and uh trust me gonzaga probably jack it's probably one of the hottest tickets that we've seen honestly or, or should see in years at rep arena because it's a it's a non-conference opponent that has never been here that never comes here and it's one that for a long time i think fans were begging to see remember it was like play somebody like gonzaga a home and away so you, you got the chance, use promo code KSR, go to game time, view, get the view from your seat, see it before you purchase it, and get inside Rupp Arena for a game that Kentucky needs to win. It cannot lose three straight at Rupp Arena, and it needs every single person possible in the seats. All in pricing, 135 bucks a seat for what is going to be the hottest ticket of, of I mean, 
very, very long time. Like it's going to be a, a really, really awesome environment. Like you said, it's it's a non-conference game that you don't get often. This is the one that we've been waiting for. That's not just another, you know, fill in the fill, fill in the blank team that you you know just placeholder. A, a team that you know that has the name brand recognition that you you go out of your way to attend. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Make sure uh, you utilize our friends at Game Time. They're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase, see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what you ex- to expect when you arrive. And buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Uh, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Oh, it's going to be a good, good weekend. It, it was a good little feel good opportunity down in Nashville. Now it's time for them to. Uh, you know, really get that statement win and continue that momentum. I want to see continued defensive progress. Let's, you know, continue to throw new wrinkles out there. Let's let, you know, let, let's start showing the basketball world what this team is capable of that, that, you know, we know they have the talent to do it, but now can they execute in that way uh, to prove themselves, get back in that, that championship contending status where, you know, the conversation of who is going to be in the running there in March I, I want Kentucky to get back in there, and I believe that they can. And it starts with a win over Gonzaga. Yeah, I think so too. This is a, this is an opportunity in your building to 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 really feel good about yourself. Go two and zero for the week, and then move into a new week next week. And look, the the weeks are, are flying by here. And if you're if you're breaking this season down into just weeks, this thing is moving quickly to, towards March, like February. It's it's bubble season now, like. You see Joe Lenardi in the bunker and, and things over the course of the next four to five weeks, Jack, and he's going to be updating bracketology and everybody else will be updating bracketology, it seems like, every couple of hours. So get into Rupp Arena, cheer this team on. They, they need a victory. Get healthy. I think you're going to see the defense improve in the month of February because I'm fully expecting John Calipari to go all in on the defensive end. And, and use a ton of practice time to, to get that area right because I think the offense is fine. The offense is going to be there. The offense is going to travel. They're going to make shots. The offense wasn't the issue against Tennessee. The offense wasn't the issue against Florida. The offense is there. They're going to make shots and score points. It's about now being just good enough. Like I said, it doesn't have to be elite. Elite rebounding, yes, because I do think that this team is can be a very good rebounding team. It just has to have some toughness and some effort on that part be a solid defensive team, maybe average a little above, and I think that this team's got a shot to make a run and and do something in March. 50-28 to win in the rebounding category against Vanderbilt. That's a – and they're they're number one in the SEC in in defensive rebounding as well. So they're at least starting to put that part together – um, you know, obviously clean stuff up on the offensive glass, but uh, you know, the, you're you're starting to see the vision. You're starting to see things put pieced together where the literally the only missing link is tangible defensive growth, and we got a little ever so slight bit of that uh, against Vanderbilt. Good feel good opportunity down in Nashville. Hoping for another feel good opportunity down uh, in Lexington on Saturday against Gonzaga. Sean, give me one one. Uh, one key to a win on Saturday. What what are you needing to see out of the Cats uh, to to feel good about leaving leaving there with a win? Oh boy, um, I'm going to say togetherness. 
because I, I think that that's where it starts on the defensive end for this team is I, I don't think that you have a group of really good individual defenders. Like I, I don't see a case in Wallace. I don't see a DeAndre Liggins. I don't see those guys on this roster, but together and communicating and defending togetherness, I think that's where this team gets better defensively. So communication and, and, and playing together. So that's what I'm looking for on the defensive end. And, and honestly, Jack, Jack, nothing changes offensively. Just make shots. And that's a pretty – that's a hell of a combo right there a moment ago. You're talking about the rebounding battle and the way you shoot the three. Nobody's beating you, even whether it's Vandy or Tennessee or who. If you if you rebound that way and you make shots from three, you're, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And the identity of, of Gonzaga is interesting, too. They're 15th nationally in scoring offense. They are sixth in, in uh, field goal percentage, 23rd in effective uh, effective field goal percentage. They struggle from three at 33%, 220 nationally, and they are 15th nationally in defensive rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding rate. So uh, 17 overall uh, on the glass. So similar what's, identity. What's your guess on a line? If you just had to throw one out there, because I've been trying to think, of, I've been trying to pinpoint what I think it would be. It's going to be Kentucky minus four and a half. I, w- I was going to go three and a half, so I was. I, I'm, we're in the same same boat, and and I actually, I think this is a game that if if Kentucky plays well, I think that it can win by double digits. I, I really truly believe that. Like I, I think that Kentucky's better than Gonzaga. I think Kentucky's going to score the ball better than Gonzaga. And I, I think that you're going to see them start to take steps together on the defensive end, even if it's not significant steps. It's baby steps on that end of the floor right now, but just build on it. Whatever you did in Nashville, build on it at Rupp Arena Saturday and then take that into an Ole Miss game next week. So I, I do think that this is a game that Kentucky will win. And uh, I'm confident in it because I just do not see this team losing three in a row at Rupp Arena. Yeah, and I think that's the stat. Like, I think that's one where I I think the Rupp Arena losses are blown a little bit out of proportion. Like, I, I care, but I don't see that as this end-all, be-all thing. Like, it, it – and maybe it's just the young fan. I mean, I know that's a lot – kind of a, a, young, a younger fan narrative, but – once you get to three straight, it's it's embarrassing. Like, I I two was annoying, but once we get to uh, something's got to sh- something's got to change. We gotta I, we, we gotta get that one. I think fans and and it's okay that this is the way it is because I mean I, I can see it, but I think fans connect being dominant rup with being dominant overall in the NCAA tournament because Kentucky some of Kentucky's best teams went undefeated at Rupp Arena and did not lose home games. And we know the last few years they've lost their fair share of home games. Uh, 2017 did lose some games at Rupp Arena. I know Kansas and UCLA for sure. You go back 2014, I remember Arkansas was a loss at Rupp. There, there were some losses there as well. Florida got on that year. Like that, Those teams did lose some games. I guess the one that you throw in there this year and you're like, crap, was UNC Wilmington. That's the one, yeah. that, that's the one that kind of clouds the resume the most. To me, that that looks really confusing when you look at it. If you take that one out, it's it's not even that bad of a resume. Just missing some quad one wins. So I think that's what fans look at is being dominant at home. But the the other side of this is if you're going to make the argument that the NCAA tournament's not played on the road, 
and winning road games because 2011 lost nearly every single road game they played and then went on and dominated on a neutral floor. So I think you can get caught up in the defending your home court. Look at what happened in North Carolina. I mean, it's it's just it's all around college basketball right now. Teams are losing. They're losing on the road. They're losing at home. It, it just does not matter. Teams are losing, and it's good teams losing. It's Kansas. It's it's Duke. It's North Carolina. It's Kentucky. It just does not matter. Tennessee, like, just get to March. Get to March. Be healthy. Let Rob cook. Togetherness. Everybody has to be together. Fans, players, program, all of it. Togetherness. That's the word, Jack. Closing with togetherness. Zach Norton says, win the two tournaments. That easy. Just win them both. Just just go 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 to Nashville, win win the whole dang thing, and then just go go win the whole NCAA tournament. I was Zach. Just me too. So I I did a so I was uh I was on a, a podcast today and it was talking about I was having to pretty much it was an interview about my life story, coaching, sources say, all of it. And I was asked, what is next for me? What is next for sources say was the question that they closed with. And I said, hopefully Phoenix, a March run, something what me and you can enjoy doing together that we have not got to do. That's the one thing this show has been missing, Jack, is a fun March. And we've not even had a fun Nashville. We didn't have a fun Tampa. We've not had anything fun because we didn't get to stay. Last year, I left at one o'clock in the morning and got home because I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I don't even want to stay here. I just want to go home and then wake up in my own bed. I don't want that this year. Like, I think that's what's next for sources say. I thought that was a very good answer. And did you also mention um, our all-time bad moment with the, the St. Peter's game? Yeah, I got to ask what my favorite thing about working with you is. And obviously outside of our friendship and all the other funny conversations that we can't talk about on this platform. But uh, by far, you saying this is a name your score game versus St. Peter's in the hotel lobby. <laughs> while we were recording just across the street from the arena. And then just hours later, it was a name your score game. All right. And uh, having to, having to, we got through that night together though, up until 4 a.m. We, we made it, we lasted. And uh, that, that is, that is probably one of the top five moments of this podcast. And people still give you hell about it. <laughs> I will li- I will never live that down. I mean, cause imagine, imagine the tar- worst tournament loss in the history of the school and being the one guy beforehand and go, dude, I'm telling you, they are trash. They are absolutely terrible based off one stupid walkthrough. Like what a, what a ridiculous dumb thing to say back then before a tournament game of all games, a tournament game, like where anything can happen. And you know, that, that was the bat that was the basketball gods saying, Hey Jack, you're a moron. That's that's, that was them. Uh, just shooting their basketball lightning down on me in the middle of Indianapolis saying to hell with you. That's what happened. If I ever, if I ever get a college head coaching job, I'm calling you to be my scout. You're going, you're going to be, I hope not. (laughs) You're going to be fired a week later. No, no, you're going to take the worst loss in the history of that school's program and go, well, we're both back on the Kentucky beat. We're, here we go back to back to regular old sources say because we both got canned because of my ass. No, we're 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 going first game of the NCAA tournament this year. You're in charge of the scout. You're going to be in charge of the opponent scout when it comes down to to what we talk about on the show because uh, we've been doing some we've been doing some basketball knowledge training and, and things with you. You're 
your knowledge of the game has really taken off in the last few months and year. Uh, all all I needed, all I needed was it was a smack in the face to to know that <laughs> I really screwed that one up. All right, we're we're uh, we're rambling here. Let's get out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe KSR Plus. Uh, we're we're having a blast over there building that community. You do not want to miss that. Also, subscribe to this channel if you're watching it without being subscribed or liking or commenting. Then what in the world are you doing? So make sure you do that. Appreciate each and every one of you. As always, we will be back on Sunday with another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. <laughs>